And now, I would like to introduce today's special guest. What does Quebec want? René Lévesque once called this question an old Canadian political cliché. A frustrated Quebec Premier Robert Bourassa later retorted, post Meech Lake, what does Canada want? We are still waiting for Canada to respond. Canadians have been questioning and debating federalism since the two huge parcels of land, now known as Quebec and Ontario, were brought together as a single nation in 1867. Sir John A. Macdonald, a late convert to federalism, came to realize that the relationship between our nations is what defines Canada. That relationship has sustained this country ever since, despite current recurrent tensions along the way. Our guest today, the Honorable Benoit Pelletier, has spoken in the past of the need for a flexible federalism and will shed further light on that concept today. Last year, Minister Pelletier, along with several other prominent Quebecers, contributed to a book on federalism called Reconquérir le Canada, un nouveau projet pour la nation québécoise, Reconquering Canada, a new project for the Quebec nation. Our guest speaker has an impressive resume and can speak with authority about a greater role for Quebec within the Federation. Monsieur Pelletier received law degrees at the University of Laval and the University of Ottawa before completing a Doctor of Laws from both Université Paris and Université Aix-Marseille. A specialist in constitutional law, he was a legal advisor to the Department of Justice in Ottawa, an author of several publications, a professor, and a scholar before entering politics. He has sat as MNA for the riding of Chapleau since 1998 and was appointed to his current portfolio when the Liberal Party came to power in 2003. Please join me in welcoming to the podium today Quebec's Minister Responsible for Canadian Intergovernmental Affairs, Aboriginal Affairs, Francophones within Canada, the Honorable Benoit Pelletier. Thank you very much, Madame President, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen. J'aimerais aussi avoir euh, aujourd'hui une pensée spéciale pour tous nos amis francophones et francophiles qui sont présents dans cette salle. Je vous remercie. Je vous remercie de votre présence et de votre appui. Allow me to begin by thanking President Helen Burstein and the Canadian Club of Toronto for their kind invitation. I would like to take advantage of this forum and this unique opportunity to talk to you about the country that we share and that we are building together, the challenges that Canada is facing today, the place of Quebec in the Canada of tomorrow, and of our accomplishments. Indeed, we can be very proud of, of what we have achieved as a country. Throughout its existence, Canada has succeeded, albeit imperfectly, but always in a spirit of goodwill, in reconciling the various legacies that have helped to shape its identity. I am thinking here of our British, French, and Aboriginal heritages, as well as the contribution of new Canadians from every ethnic background who continue to enrich the social fabric of the host societies that make up our country. I am also thinking of our cohabitation in North America 
with the United States, which has influenced the evolution of our political institutions, be it with the adoption in 1867 of the federal model of governance or with the enshrinement in our Constitution in 1982 of a Charter of Rights and Freedoms. In short, the reconciliation of different identities and cultures is at the very heart of what makes us Canadians. In today's world, the history that we share should be considered an asset rather than an impediment. We live in a period of globalization, market liberalization, and advanced modernity. We know that. This period is characterized by a number of planetary phenomena that seem contradictory at first glance, such as the emergence of large political and economic entities and, at the same time, the affirmation in various places around the world of particular identities and the renewed interest in decentralization and regionalization. I, for one, consider that these trends are not mutually exclusive, but instead can coexist together. More precisely, we all know that we are living in an age where societies are increasingly dependent on one another. Today, we can no longer believe that our society will evolve in isolation, cut off from the rest of the world. Interdependence has become inevitable. This development implies that our governments must increasingly strive to work together. They need to cooperate more and find ways of adequately managing this greater interdependence. At the Ontario Economic Summit held at Niagara-on-the-Lake these last few days, Ontario business and political leaders used the terms connectivity for more resilience. But we also know that this interdependence and the common arena to which it has given birth through the multiplication of networks fostered the expression and blossoming of particular identities at many levels. In fact, being able to express one's own identity, being able of being oneself, is one of the greatest gains associated with advanced modernity. It is thus understandable that in this new world context, the classic concept of the unitary nation-state, which suggests an exclusive relationship, a sole identity, a single government, appears outmoded. Those who here in Canada would like to withdraw within the borders of their province are not only denying key elements that contributed to the great wealth of our country, they are also swimming against the current of the major political, social, and economic phenomena of our epoch. I'm asking you, what better tool than the federal formula to manage interdependence and to embrace diversity? This is precisely what makes federalism so relevant now and which explains its present-day popularity around the world. Countries such as Australia, India, Brazil, Belgium, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Russia, Mexico, the United States have chosen federalism as their system of governance. 
Altogether, federations around the planet represent more than 40% of the world population. They make up some of the most prosperous countries in the world. As a federation itself, and as a country that was founded on diversity, Canada already had in 1867, interestingly, interestingly enough, a part of the answer to the universal phenomena confronting us today. Indeed, at the structural level, our country has institutions that, that have allowed it and that continue to allow it to reconcile unity and diversity while managing the growing interdependence in a large number of public policy areas. Our institutional architecture is certainly not perfect and definitely deserves to be improved in several respects. But we must admit that our institutions have helped to make Canada what it is today, a country that is admired around the world. To continue, To continue reconciling unity and diversity while successfully taking up the new challenges of our time, Canada must remain a true federal state. And to do this, it must not rely solely on its federative institutions, but also revive a political culture that is more in harmony with the, with the federal ideal. Surrendering to unitary reflexes, as our country has all too often done over the last century, means renouncing the principles underlying the federal ideal and got the substance and relevance out of our federative institutions. But I remain optimistic about the future of our federation. Over the last few years, our country has made progress which bears witness to a rediscovery of the federal spirit Quebec's contribution to these developments is not to be denied. I am thinking in particular of the creation in December 2003 of the Council of the Federation, the 2004 Health Accord in which the principle of federal asymmetry was formally acknowledged by the federal government in all provinces and territories, the earnest effort to reduce the fiscal imbalance and fix the equalization formula and the November 2006 House of Commons motion recognizing that the Quebecois form a nation within a united Canada. But our country can do much more. It must resolutely embrace the values upon which Canada is founded. Above all, it must show greater boldness, boldness creativity, imagination, and ingenuity so that our federation can better reflect our intrinsic diversity and address the realities we are facing nowadays. In fact, we are forced to admit that thus far, our country has not demonstrated all the audacity all, and all the ability to adapt required under the circumstances. An eloquent example of this lack of audacity is the hesitation to grant some sort of role for the provinces on the international scene, this despite the growing influence of cross-border processes in domestic matters. Another issue that we need to tackle 
is the problem of the federal spending power in fields of provincial jurisdiction. Now is not the time for hesitation. As the federal model is gaining in popularity around the world, it would be deplorable that Canada, the third country after the United States and Switzerland to adopt the federal formula, were not on the forefront in matters relating to federalism. And as the federal model is seen as an instrument to unite in one same state, nations having multiple identities, it would be perilous if our country, as the result of the failure to maintain a political culture marked by the federal spirit, were to allow our institutions to deviate from their purpose in order to make them tools of centralization and standardization. Within the Canadian context, reviving the federal spirit also means accepting the diversity of our country. It means admitting a basic fact, which surprisingly and despite our common baggage and history, is still open to controversy in 2008. That fact is that one same individual may possess several complementarity and identities. Today, a person can very easily define himself as both German and European, Scottish and British, Texan and American, and as a Quebecer and a Canadian. Quebecers have every reason to be proud Canadians, but this does not prevent them from being equally proud of belonging to the Quebec society, which is different by reason of its language, its culture, its civil law tradition, its distinctive institutions, and its own way of life. These two allegiances, being both Quebecer and Canadian, can exist concurrently and in a harmonious manner. These two allegiances are not contradictory. Instead, they enrich one other. The affirmation of the specific character of Quebec can be reconciled with the pursuit of the common Canadian objectives. For this reason, Quebecers ask that Quebec's specificity be fully taken into account in Canada as a basic characteristic of Canadian diversity. Quebec is the only state in North America which a French-speaking majority and as such is the heir to a rich and specific culture which must be supported and nourished. Moreover, Quebec considers that culture falls under its responsibility and that a better cohesion is needed to ensure an integrated development of Quebec's culture. One of the ways of giving tangible form to the recognition of Quebec's specificity as a nation could thus be the signing of a Canada Quebec agreement that would put Quebec in charge of most policies and programs in the field of culture on its own territory. Quebec is also asking for a clarification through an administrative agreement of the roles and responsibilities of both orders of governments with regards to communications and for a better say in the decisions of the CRTC that concern the expression of the French language. I consider the debate on Canadian pluralism in general 
and on Quebec specificity in particular, inevitable. Yet I am aware that many people in the rest of Canada are afraid to resume this debate and would like our country to take another direction altogether. Too often in the past, our country has allowed itself to be captivated by the siren's song of centralization and uniformity. For the advocates of this enticing line of reasoning, the preferred means of taking up the challenge of diversity consists of attenuating it as much as possible through an all-powerful central government that intervenes in all fields of activity, notably by means of alleged federal spending power, all in the name of the common good defined according to a top-down approach. I do not believe that this approach has yielded the promised results. However, however the advocates of unbridled nation-building have often presented this philosophy as being the one best suited to ensure the unity of our country. Far from consolidating the unity of our country, this standardizing approach has produced the opposite effect. When one considers that this centralizing period corresponds to the rise of the Quebec sovereignist movement, the affirmation of Western regionalism in reaction to a feeling of alienation from Ottawa and non-precedented regionalization of the party system at the federal level and the emergence of the Aboriginal question, one quickly realizes that the centralist approach has failed to deliver the goods. As I have said, I am convinced that Canada must, now more than ever, bank on the wealth associated with its diversity and its societal pluralism, namely the coexistence of several societies having a long history and having welcomed and integrated immigrants from every part of the world, the last layer of diversity to be added onto our historical pluralism. And one of these host societies is, of course, Quebec. Quebec is a modern, inclusive, and unifying society. It is open to the world, generous, warm, and welcoming. It embraces new challenges and strives hard to open up new horizons and conquer new markets. It wants to preserve and promote its identity and is jealously concerned about its autonomy, especially when it comes to its dealings with the federal government. Quebec also wants to unify the Canadian Francophonie. This is one of the major goals of our government, and we are determined to participate in making sure that there is a unified and more active and dynamic Francophonie in Canada. <laughs> this Quebec that I just described, is the Quebec that I love and the reason why I entered politics 10 years ago. That is exactly why I think that the necessary respect for our differences and the essential balance between unity and the affirmation of our diversity must be constantly promoted among Quebecers and Canadians. William Lyon Mackenzie King, one of our great prime ministers, once described Canada in the following terms. If some countries have too much history, we have too much geography. <laughs> Upon analyzing the Canadian political scene, 
of the last few decades and upon observing how, in the name of unity, the historical heritage and the original pluralism of our country have been ignored, we have to admit that he was right. Today, as you know, in a room not far from ours, Mr. Gilles Duceppe, leader of the Bloc Québécois, is presently addressing the Economic Club of Toronto. Gilles Duceppe believes that the Canadian Federation is evolving in a way that is not consistent with the interests of Quebec, that it cannot be reformed, and that there is neither respect nor future for Quebec within Canada. He believes in separating Quebec from the rest of Canada. He is probably trying to explain his party's relevance and demonstrate that he has Quebec's interest at heart. Even if he claims that he speaks on behalf of Quebecers, rest assured, his views and most importantly his motivations are not those of a majority of Quebecers, regardless of the next election's outcome. Quebec's future lies not in the hands of the Black Québécois, a party that has no aspirations whatsoever besides dislocating our country. It lies in large part in the hands of the current Quebec government, a federalist government that has given itself the necessary leeway to freely defend the interest of every Quebecer, regardless of who leads the federal government in Ottawa, and uninhibited by dogmatic concerns and useless pipe dreams. The current Quebec government is firmly committed to reinforce Quebec's place within a stronger Canadian Federation and to instill a climate of productive collaboration instead of futile confrontation. In these distressing times, it is important to reiterate that the government that I am a part of is also committed to economic prosperity, freer trade in general, and a stronger Canadian economic union in particular. When our government dreams, it dreams not about Quebec's independence. It dreams about opening up new frontiers, such as Quebec's vast northern expanse, and a broader economic space for our businesses, our families, and our children. It dreams about opening up new markets, such as France, the European Union, and Ontario. Since our government was first elected in 2003, our relationship with Ontario has improved and intensified. In June 2006, our governments signed a general protocol of cooperation, nine sectoral agreements in fields such as healthcare, education, public security, tourism, and francophone affairs and one very special agreement that put an end to a long-lasting dispute regarding labor mobility in the construction sector. I am glad to have participate, participated in the negotiation and the conclusion of these agreements with Mrs. Marie Boutroyani, who was at that time my counterpart in the Ontario government. Quebec and Ontario are presently working together towards creating a regional partnership in central Canada in order to strengthen our economies and cooperate on key issues like 
climate change, energy, and transportation. In June of this year, our governments held the first ever joint meeting of the Ontario and Quebec cabinets. During this historic meeting, our premiers signed a joint declaration for closer economic relationship between Canada and the European Union and a memorandum of understanding on a regional cap-and-trade system that will contribute to the reduction of greenhouse gas emissions. Our governments are seriously studying the possibility of developing a high-speed train within the Quebec City-Windsor corridor. These are very promising initiatives. Ontario is not just a pre precious neighbor of Quebec. It is also a partner, a friend, and an ally. I promise you that I will do my best to promote the strengthening of the relationship between your province and mine. And I know that I may count in order to achieve this objective on the, the team of the Office of Quebec, Le Bureau du Québec in Toronto, and I would like to congratulate them. I would like to congratulate them on behalf of the Quebec government for the tremendous work that they are doing. In conclusion, in conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, if our country has accomplished a great deal despite the disagreement about its profound nature, imagine what feast will be within our grasp when we finally stop ignoring the historical realities that characterize us and when we accept ourselves for who we are in all our complexity. Imagine how brilliantly we will succeed in taking up the challenges of our era when, in a spirit of symbiosis between the various components of our country, we will finally value our precious, our precious heritage and put it at the heart of our political culture. By cherishing our diversity and pluralism, we will give the history of our country its full meaning. What is more, I am very much convinced that ultimately, the preservation of our diversity and the recognition of Quebec's specificity will contribute to strengthening Canada, to making it more unified, and to increasing its prestige around the world. We Quebecers are now more than ever ready to make a positive contribution to the evolution of Canada, an evolution in the tradition of our, of our multifaceted heritage and the federal spirit. We Quebecers are ready to strengthen the dialogue and cooperation between the provinces and to build a cooperative federalism finding expression in all fields of interest for Canadians and not just those of the provinces. Beginning in 18, 1867, the founders of our country in making this land a federal state that underscores our great diversity had found a part of the solution to the stakes of both the past and the present. It is up to us to be clear-sighted enough to make the most of these lessons over the next few decades. I invite all of you to join me in this vast endeavor. Thank you. Minister, stay right there because you promised you would answer some questions and we have some for you.
let me ask the first one. As you mentioned earlier, Ontario and Quebec have been pushing ahead with their relationship. In the near future, how does this resurgence of central Canadian provinces generate a positive impact for the rest of the country? Well, um, this new agreement that we want to conclude and to sign between Ontario and Quebec with regards to commerce and economy would make these two provinces, our two provinces, the fourth, the fourth biggest and largest economic entity in North America. So this is something that is quite significant. There is a huge market here, and that should not be neglected. So I, that is why we are focusing so much on economic ties between Ontario and Quebec, not just that, also on political ties. The meeting, the first meeting of the, uh, the joint meeting of the cabinets, the Ontario cabinet and the Quebec cabinet also, indicates that we are coming closer together. And this is something that, for me, is extremely important. And I will tell you why it is so important. It's important because when I left Quebec City at 20, 23 years old for Gatineau, I knew that the economy of Gatineau, the economy of the Utahway, was strongly related to the economy of Ottawa. And I knew that, in fact, we had interest in working together. If it does apply to the Utahway and to Ottawa, it also does apply to Quebec and Ontario in general. And, of course, we all know that there is some competition coming from the West, coming from Alberta and British Columbia, who themselves uh, signed an uh, economic uh, agreement and commerce agreement that is very significant, the TILMA agreement. So I think that we should find inspiration in what they did, develop our own agreement, and make sure that uh, the two provinces, uh, I would say, work together in order to strengthen the economy in central Canada. And in doing so, we will also strengthen the economy in Canada in general. Thank you. Uh, next question. The Conservative government proposed on two occasions reforming the composition of the Senate and the nomination process of senators. Quebec was the principal opponent to this proposal, but still does not want abolition of a high chamber. Can you explain why? Why we don't want the abolition? I think that's what the questioner <laughs> wants to know. No, I'm kidding. In fact, uh, the Quebec government is, uh, is supportive of the Senate. We do not uh, want the abolition of this, uh, of this institution because we feel that it, it is important for the uh, balance, the equilibrium in the representation of the Quebecers in particular and the francophones in the national parliament, in the central parliament. Uh, just to tell you that the Senate was at the origin of the birth of Canada. When the founders of Canada had discussions about the country to, uh, to, to come, uh, to create, uh, they decided that the Senate should be non-elected, that there should be a fair representation to the four original provinces in the Senate, and they decided 
also that this, the Senate would be an, a sine qua non condition of the creation of the country. And our view is that if it is a sine qua non condition of the creation of the country, it should not be then unilaterally modified by the federal government, that the provinces should be involved, that the provinces should have a say, and that any modification to the Senate, reform of the Senate in a substantial way, as it is proposed by Prime Minister Harper, is something that requires the application of the multilateral amendment procedure. That's it. So what you see here, and which is uh, ironical, is that you see Quebec, which is asking for the respect of the Canadian Constitution, <laughs> and you see the federal government refusing to respect the Canadian Constitution and trying to do something that he should not do, trying to do it indirectly when the Constitution prohibits him and prohibits it to do directly. And that is why Quebec is extremely determined to, uh, to uh, oppose to this unilateral reform of the Senate. I do not mean that we are opposed to a modernization of the Senate. I do not say that we are opposed to a democratization of the Senate. But I say that if, if we have to do it, we should do it in full respect of the Canadian Constitution. A question from Mr. Connors. With Canada being such a wonderful multicultural country with so much to offer, how have various levels of government failed so badly with establishing federalist support within Quebec? Well, I think that uh, our country is doing well, but I think that we should always remember what I called in my uh, speech the, the federal spirit and the federal principle. Uh, when we chose the federal formula, the federal model of governance in 1867, it was in order to reflect Canada's diversity. And there is a part of, of Canada's diversity that is Quebec specificity, but it's a part of it. Canada's diversity is more than Quebec specificity, but it does include Quebec specificity. So you see why for Quebecers it's so important to defend federalism. Because when you defend federalism, you defend the province's autonomy. When you defend the province, because federalism supposes an autonomy for the provinces, as it supposes an autonomy for the federal authorities. When you defend the province's autonomy, then you defend the right of Quebecers to express themselves with their own identity within the country. And that is why respecting the federal principle, the federal spirit, the federal formula is so important for Quebecers. It's, uh, it's, very, it's very simple to understand because as soon as you go toward unitary reflexes, then you forget about Canada's diversity and you go toward uniformity, homogenization. And if you go toward uniformity, then there is less and less place for Quebec's identity. It's as simple as that.
So I say in Canada, this is why I say Quebecers are ready to work with all other Canadians to build a stronger Canada. And we are ready to work at building common values and sharing with other Canadians and doing something together. But Quebecers want in return a better respect and recognition for their own identity within this country. And let me tell you this, Quebec's identity, Quebec's specificity is a great Canadian value. It is not something that is against the country and its unity. It is part of the country. It, uh, it uh, confirms Canada's unity. It helps Canada's unity. It goes in favor of Canada's unity, and it should be recognized as such. In other words, In other words, Quebecers want to be Canadians, but they want to be Canadians their way, <laughs> while promoting common values with the other Canadians when it is important to do so, and at the same time expressing their own identity, which is something that is fundamental for, for most Quebecers. We have time for just one more question, and this one is from Marie Emmanuel. How is the Quebec government going to deal with racial intolerance in the future? In Quebec, and I will be very uh, short because I know that the time is, uh, is pressing me, but uh, uh, Quebec is not a more racist society than other societies in North America. Uh, this is something that should be very, very uh, clear in everyone, everyone's mind. But in Quebec, there is a majority, which is also a minority, which makes, uh, which makes uh, everything more complex. That majority, French-speaking majority, is also a, a very, uh, a, a very uh, I would say, uh, is also minority in the North American context, as we do know, and it's it's in a very uh, strong minority position. So that uh, majority also wants protection. That majority also wants to be sure that there is a future for French language. In particular in this context of globalization. Because globalization means that at some point that we lose some identities in the process. There are good aspects to globalization, we all know that, but there are bad aspects too. Some of the bad aspects that is that we tend to lose some particular identities in order to uniformize and to tend to get that global village that some people uh, aspire to. What uh, I would like to say is that uh, this is what I would like you to understand when you consider the situation in, in Quebec. It's a very complex situation because of the fact that Quebec, as the only French-speaking state in North America, has a special responsibility. And if someone does not take into account that special responsibility, that person will never understand what's going on in Quebec. But at the same time, let me say in conclusion, that I believe that it is important to 
to respect the differences. I am extremely, extremely sensitive to the need to respect differences, and I will tell you why. At the same time that I defend the recognition of Quebec specificity in Canada, in the name of the right for Quebec to be different, there should be within Quebec a respect for the differences that are being expressed into that society. It is just a question of coherence. Merci. Thank you. Thank you very much, Minister. I'd like to call now upon Chris May, a board, a Director of the Canadian Club of Toronto, to thank the Minister formally. Merci, Monsieur Pelletier. Thank you for speaking with us today. As you may be aware, we had the pleasure of hearing your colleague, L'Honorable Monsieur Bachon, address our club earlier this summer. In the presence of such distinguished representatives of public policy, I feel we are an extension of that historic meeting between Ontario and Quebec's cabinets that took place this June. Indeed, I look upon these luncheons as an opportunity to discuss the progress of the various MOUs and agreements signed by our respective premiers. Les rapports entre le Québec et l'Ontario existent depuis plus longtemps que la Confédération canadienne. Quelle que soit l'issue de l'élection fédérale, il est clair que les rapports entre Ottawa and Quebec, the relations between Queen's Park and Ottawa, and the people of Ontario and Quebec still have to be navigated and strengthened. Before and during the current federal campaign, we have seen provinces across Canada engage the federal government on the issue of fiscal imbalance and dueling priorities. Monsieur Pelletier, non seulement vous nous invitez à réfléchir à tout ceci, mais aussi vous nous rappelez que nous devons tous ensemble chercher à améliorer le fédéralisme et ce au bénéfice de tous les Canadiens et les Canadiennes. Federalism is the great Canadian experiment that continues to evolve. Its strength lies in its adaptability to meet the particular needs of our people at a particular point in time. All things considered, it has stood up pretty well over the past 141 years. And as our honored guest has shown, can only improve if we keep the door open to dialogue through which the air of cooperation will no doubt follow. Alors, Monsieur le Ministre, merci d'avoir été des nôtres aujourd'hui à Toronto. And once again, to our dear friends, the citizens of Quebec, à l'occasion de ce, ce grand rassemblement de la francophonie canadienne qui célèbre les 400 ans d'histoire du Québec, once again, we wish you a warm, bonne fête. Thank you. Merci. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. This wraps up today's program, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. On behalf of the Canadian Club, I thank you for joining us today. This meeting is now adjourned. Merci et bonne journée.